I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. All right, welcome back. We're going to continue our conversation about oaths and vows. And so far, we've had a we've had a good talk. We've talked about the difference between an oath and a vow. We've talked about uh, we've talked about the fact that um, our words mean so much about our integrity, and um, we've talked about the extreme language that Jesus has used. Uh, in going forward, and it continues in this section about oaths. One thing that I wanted to pick up with that we didn't talk about last time is that is Jesus here saying that oaths and vows are bad? Are they bad? Well, uh, we might not all agree on this, I I think, uh, but I'm going to say no. Because in the New Testament, we see oaths. Paul writes in Galatians 1.20, In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. So he took an oath before God. And even God took an oath to give us great confidence in the hope he has promised us. So in Hebrews 6.16, it says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So taking an oath is not wrong. In certain circumstances, perhaps something momentous, it is even warranted. So I think what Jesus is addressing in this passage is something else, something about the very nature of truthfulness, honesty, and sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrestle with this because uh, that Hebrew 6 scripture, I mean, that's pretty powerful. Like God's choosing to make an oath. And it seems like it. Uh, he's doing it because he wants to give us two unchanging reasons to believe him, right? One is his, his unchangeable purpose and the other one, his, his unchangeable word. Uh, and so that to me feels like, okay, wow. Well, so God made an oath. Um, but then I hadn't actually seen that scripture in Galatians. So I'm, I'm chewing on that as you're, as you were talking, Matt, the, the challenge I think is that if we say, oaths are fine, then there's like two things at play. One is Jesus says, don't swear an oath at all. So mm-hmm. we're, we're not taking that completely literally. Um, and two, I think we, it's a very, very slippery slope here. Like mm-hmm. there's, w- w- at what point does, is an oath valid or is not valid? Uh, at what point am I, do I become, I don't know, it's like the, the, my, my truthfulness, like 
needs to be validated by an oath. Um, and so I, like when I look at the record of the early church, a lot of them, they just didn't swear anything. Mm-hmm. And it got them in a lot of trouble when they were thinking about being, you know, if they, if they were in, if they were, if someone was baptized and was already a soldier or if they were, you know, in public office that required them to take an oath, mm-hmm. they would then say, well, you have to stop taking an oath in those contexts. Mm-hmm. And that gave them a lot of persecution. Uh, but I see the, the value in that because they're saying, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to make an oath because I don't need to. I don't. And in fact, my, you know, my King said, don't, don't swear an oath at all. And that's, that's more important. Mm -hmm. So, but but even with them, there's like this, there, I mean, it's kind of like, well, what's an oath (laughs) and what's just, you know, what's just (laughs) affirming, you know, yes, I'm going to do this. So I came up on this quote. I was like, this from Clement of Alexandria. He's like in the second or third century. I forget. Mm -hmm. He he does not, he's talking about like this man of, uh, great character. He says, but he does not even swear, preferring to make confirmation in, af- in affirmation by yes and in denial by no. For it is an oath to swear or to produce anything from the mind in the way of confirmation in the shape of an oath. Mm-hmm. And there he's, so I actually, need, I need to find it. But that one, he's saying basically, you know, you're never going to make an oath at all. Uh, but there is another quote, and if I find it, I'll, I'll, bring it up again mm-hmm. where he's basically like but sometimes people won't believe you basically because they were scarred yeah. and in yeah. that case you might right. need to like give a little bit more than a yes because they yeah. won't believe your yes and that's fine um yeah. so i i feel i still feel like i wrestle with this question and i don't have like a solid answer uh but what is super obvious to me is that jesus is making really strong statements about integrity mm-hmm. and for all of us, the standard that Jesus is making is like way higher than what we're currently doing. I think there's also something about what he's doing here where it seems like he's not trying to make more laws, but he's trying to tell us what the heart is of the law. And I think he's, he's doing the 95% of the time. Like most of the time you're going to come across in your everyday speech with people. You should be honest. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't need to make an oath, but maybe there's that, you know, one momentous occasion where you're called before a court and you're supposed to, you know, swear that you are going to tell the truth. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Actually. I know some people do. They, if they're called to uh, be a witness at court, they will say, I, I, I'm, I, I, they'll say something like how they always tell the truth and they don't feel comfortable taking this oath. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I when I was wrestling through this thought, is it always bad? Is Jesus saying this is always bad? I think that I I, I sort of am thinking about is he talking about the way that people have begun to use oaths as loopholes? Mm-hmm. Is he saying that okay, so if you swear by the temple, you and you don't 
do what you swore you were going to do, it's not as bad as by swearing yeah. by the name of God. Mm. That maybe you don't, you, the consequences aren't as bad. So if you swear by the temple or if you swear by the earth or if you swear by your own head, then, you know, maybe it's not as bad. I think about the sort of the old joke that you've heard a thousand times in the movie where somebody says, I swear on my mother's grave that I'm not going to do it. And his buddy says, your mother's not even dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's swearing an oath that doesn't mean anything. So I think yeah. that that's um, part I, of what Jesus is landing on here. I think so, too. I think that there's more in, and we'll probably tease it out here, but I think there's more in these four verses or five, I don't know, can I count correctly? Five verses that uh, have to do with an argument that's being made that he's addressing. Yeah. So, and and talking about loopholes, it's my next question here. <laughs> this whole section, the whole antithesis, it's about uh, someone having taken something that was in the word and adulterated it to the advantage of those, uh, just for to look for a loophole, to look for a way out of it. That was the case with the divorce passage. That was the case with all the ones that we've looked at so far. In this case, it's a tendency that was very prevalent at that time. For people to certify by their oaths, by appealing to heaven or earth or Jerusalem, or even their own heads, they did this to create a sort of ranking system for vows that ranged between binding and non-binding. Can you think of ways that are ways that we do this today? What kinds of oaths do we make now? Yeah, I think this gets at the heart of um, why Jesus chose this example. I think. Um, this this phrase that he quotes, um, I just want to read this this first part of this again. Again, you have heard that it was said of to those of old, "You shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn." I think that phrase to the Lord, I think is is the piece that is the the clever lawyering where the loophole is being created. Um, he says uh, with each of these examples that. He, our righteousness should surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law. In verse nineteen, he's he he said of chapter five, he's saying that the Pharisees didn't follow God's law, uh, which he came to fulfill, because they relaxed it. They taught others loopholes for getting out of the law, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they did here. So, you know, you might laugh. Uh, but I had an epiphany the other week about this you know, when we were doing studying about divorce, and um, you know I noticed the the Hillel school, uh, one of the prominent rabbinical schools, took apart Deuteronomy twenty four to create this loophole, the any matter divorce, and that had no review. Jesus condemned it. Um, but when we were studying for that one, I came across a separate piece that referenced looking at a woman lustfully, lustfully as adultery in your heart. And then I was like, wait, what's going on here? That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. And then I looked and I found it again. I found it with the anger passage and it blew my mind. It, it, you know, they, Jesus uh, mentions this word raka, literally empty headed. In an honor culture, that'd be like throwing around the word um, that signified you're outside of God's kingdom. Hmm. Basically, Jesus was calling out the different factions that had formed and were calling each other names in a way that passed extreme judgment, essentially saying, you're not saved. <laughs> do, you, 
And Christians do that today. I don't know. Um, but the Essenes did it. They did it to the Pharisees. They called them Raka. So Jesus starts with a couple of, of these, you know, uh, verses from the, the Ten Commandments. And then he, he gets, um, you know, that people were getting wrong before he talks about um, these loopholes, right? Um, trying to get out of doing God's will. And, and this is how the Pharisees relaxed the law. Um, and they took this little piece and said, okay, here's our loophole. Our way out of doing the hard part of the law, and, you know, before it was with divorce, we talked about that. Um, all you have to do is give the certificate and you're righteous. Could you fulfill the law? And in this case, you know, he's also rejecting their loophole. He's, he's getting at the big picture, though, which has to do with overall honesty uh, that God desires out of us. The loophole they'd created here was just this word to the Lord. If someone says uh, to the Lord in their, their vow or oath or whatever they're doing, well, Hey, that's on you, buddy. You, you blew it. You, 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 you use the, the, the phrase to the Lord. You're on the hook now. <laughs> However, you know, if you swore by the sacred place, you know, it sounds really good, but well, you don't really need to keep your word there. It's okay to wiggle out of it. And Jesus is saying, nope, nice try. That doesn't fly. At the end, Jesus says, say yes or no. And it's, it's sweet. It's short. It's to the point. Yet extremely challenging mm -hmm. because of the culture of deceit and deceitfulness that we have. We live in a world where, and 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 we're so we can be so jaded by it, by the the deceit that's in the world that Jesus' words seem almost a little naive to us. We've got shallow social media posts and and business practices that are unscrupulous. We've got politicians who speak out of both sides of their mouth on the same issue. We've got this sort of fake it till you make it mentality in, in, in our world. How can we get to a point where Jesus can say, just let your yes be yes and your no be no? What would he think of the way we conduct ourselves now? And how can we, how can we put that verse? How can we put verse 37, just say yes or just say no into practice? Hmm. Yeah, so I think about this in like different spheres of life, it, it applies to all, it applies to every sphere of life because every sphere includes our relationships with people and how mm -hmm. we interact. But, you know, when you think about business, it's really easy to fudge the numbers or uh, our whole system of sales and marketing is often... Uh, there's a there's a strong desire to, you know, maybe I, you know, don't mention everything that's really, you know, the issue <laughs> with my product. Or maybe, you know, buy it. we do have that feature, even though we don't have it yet, right? There's like a million and one ways. Oh, I totally which, wanted that in it. Yeah. So sure. We can, we can deceive, we can lie straight up, whatever it might look like, but it's not full of truth, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I know it's also in business. Those are the places where I can feel like, oh, if I don't actually, if I don't say this thing, that's maybe not totally true. Maybe I don't get the sale. Maybe, you know, my boss is annoyed with me, right? And there's a lot of opportunities for 
fear to come in, right? Mm-hmm. That, oh, I, I need I need to be less than fully truthful, mm-hmm. right? That's the, that's the only thing that I, I, I can do in this situation. So mm-hmm. uh, that to me feels like one area that's just, it, it can simplify it, uh, you know, and think in my business practices, in the way I deal with my coworkers or with my boss or with uh, the people that my clients, you know, am I full of honesty with mm. those people? Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies, like my company says, integrity is a, you know, core quality, right? We all kind of espouse mm-hmm. integrity, but it's another thing to be that, in the workplace and there can be a lot of pressures even in a company like that to eh, maybe we don't need to be full of integrity this time mm-hmm. right yeah. so i think this is hard uh if you actually think about how it, the rubber meets the road here and how we take this and put it into practice because being honest about things sometimes it'll make you look bad mm-hmm. and at work you don't want that you want to look good all the time right and it's the same. We live in such a weird world with social media. That's that's where I see it a lot, where mm-hmm. people are not honest necessarily about what they're, they're only showing you the best thing they've ever done and the perfect lighting and the perfect shot and the glorious life that they're living and everything's wonderful. And then maybe on the inside, they don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But you can't show that. You show that and people don't like that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, maybe social media may be not the best place to to have a, a real conversation in the first place. I don't know. Right. But, uh, oh, gosh, I, I, I might get in trouble this, for this. But um, the idea of having a platform called Truth Social <laughs> seems like, <laughs> I don't know, it has to be the epitome of hubris. But uh, anyway, people are not truthful online. They're not. They're. They're. It's hard enough to be truthful face to face. I don't know. This is tough. The other thing I, I think about with this is, um, you know, the phrase "keeping it real." I don't know if that's still an idiom. I've probably dated myself, but mm-hmm. uh, sometimes maybe we shouldn't say every thought that comes into our head if it's mean. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly. I'm just keeping it real. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should deny yourself. I don't. Right. I don't think that um, Jesus is talking about doing that here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's ta- addressing honesty and genuineness. But I don't think you need to be uh, mean and nasty to people either, because that that's something different. Yeah, there's a difference between being full of integrity and standing by what you say, and saying everything that you think. Mm-hmm. Those are those are two different concepts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things I was thinking of as we're talking is, you know, sometimes the reason why we don't tell the truth is just that there can be a cost to doing it, right? Like mm-hmm. there's sometimes it's going to cause, often actually, it's going to cause some amount of inconvenience or pain in the short term, which is why yep. we're not doing it, right? We, if, if, if there was no issue with telling the truth, we probably would. Um, and this quote uh, is kind of also in the business world, but uh, I think helps me. Uh, this guy, he says, whoever sells or buys anything should not name two prices for what he buys or sells, but instead state the net price and just speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And it says, 
you know, this is a, a haggling society <laughs> he's talking in. If you just say your price, you're not going to get the price. Like, the price is going to get weighted down. That's why you pretend it's way higher. Mm. He says, and if you don't get the price, you get the truth. And you're rich in the possession of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that th- to me is a good example of the the way in which uh, truth could cost us something, right? That's a very literal way. Uh, but when when we hit those situations, what's what are we first willing to give on, right? Is it like the the financial thing that I might get, or is it the convenience of the relationship being a certain way, or is it you know I believe that you know standing by my what I say and being truthful with this person and with myself is you know the most important thing and one of the most loving ways that I can contribute in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do that even if mm. it costs me something. Yeah, the other thing is I'm thinking about this, about being honest and genuine. I think in a business setting and not just in a business setting, but a lot of settings, if the, if you're transparent, then assuming people aren't, just wanting to step all over you, assuming you're in a uh, environment where people are productive and cooperative and want to work together. Well, then that's the best situation because then they actually know what's going on and they're not caught by surprise and they can hack, they can help if you need help. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard, but sometimes that's hard for us to admit that we need help. And so I think there's a great humility that's required to be honest and transparent. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is just, this is really hard. And the about the only thing that I landed on that was a solid conclusion for me as I was studying out all these passages is that this is a very, very difficult thing because it gets to um, when we talk about Tim, you talked earlier in our previous conversation about the name of God being more than just his name being Mm -hmm. the totality of who he is. In some ways, our yes and our no are the totality of who we are. Mm -hmm. And how much does, is my yes really a yes? And how much can I do to make sure that that is the, that it's the truth? Hmm. And it's one of those things where one of the things I pray almost every time I pray is, um, uh, God, I love you, but I don't love you enough. And I need you to help me love you more, which doesn't, which doesn't make any sense. It's like you'd never say that to a person. <laughs> and, or not, not that God isn't a person, but you'd never say that to yeah. another human being. No, I know. And uh, it's just, it's really, really hard. And it's something that, again, that you need your relationship with God, you need the Holy Spirit working in you, you need your community to, to help you to do that very simple just say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just say yes or no. And uh, so I wanted to, I switched this as the last question because I think it's a really hard question. <laughs> and so I that, thought maybe that, maybe that knowing that we're getting towards the end of it, we could try to keep it succinct. But <laughs> Jesus says that anything beyond yes or no comes from the evil one. The evil one being Satan. What does Satan have to do with this? And maybe this is too big of a question. You could do a whole series of podcasts, I think, on Mm. Satan, on the devil. Um, What does the devil, the evil one, have to do with this? 
And what does he have to do with our sinful nature? Well, I, well first I should just say some translations render this uh, evil. Um, anything beyond this comes from evil, not the evil mm-hmm. one. But mm-hmm. uh, either way, I think we're pointing back to something fundamental in the Sermon on the Mount, I, which is we become whom we behold. If we see our need for God and then fill up on him, we really see him, like the Beatitudes say, we'll become more like him. Mm-hmm. Conversely, we can become more like the father of lies, mm-hmm. if that's what we're focused on. Yeah, and, and we see that father of lies. We see him work right at the beginning in Genesis 3. Right? He uses yeah. deceit uh, to confuse Eve on what God actually said. Then he outright lies and says, no, God is not being truthful to you. And it was that that doubt, you know, that God is being truthful, that he yes. cares about me, mm-hmm. that that's, that's how Satan uh, caused the fall of humanity. And he's called the, the, the prince of lies, the yeah. father of lies, uh, mm-hmm. probably for that reason. Yeah. And so I, yeah, you know, <laughs> John, I think Jesus in John 8 is like, basically, yeah, you do what your father does. He, he mm-hmm. says that to the Jews. Um, and and that's around when he call, is calling Satan the father of lies. I don't exactly know what he's doing there mm-hmm. in John 8 exactly, but I do know that if we're... Uh, if we're not, you know, able to stand by our yes, there are no, mm-hmm. right? Then, then we have some of those lies inside of us, mm-hmm. right? And that's uh, that's one of the the main poles that Satan is using to, you know, destroy us and then also, you know, mm-hmm. damage those around us. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to hear you guys talk about it as well because I think what happens um, to Christians in general, I know what happens to me is I swing the pendulum. When it comes to the evil one, mm. I think on one side of it is that he is the evil one. He's Satan. He's so mighty and powerful. How can I possibly resist him? Mm. Mm. He's the prince of this world. You know, he's the one who is in in charge of everything here and now in a way. And and so I give him too much power. And then the other side of the pendulum is I give him none. He's the he's the little red cartoon character who hovers <laughs> over my shoulder that I can right. pluck mm-hmm. away with my finger, and but I think it it does help to think of it, it think of it as who are you going to who are you going to imitate yeah who are you going to behave like are you going to behave like your father in heaven or are you going to behave like the father of lies yeah I liked what you said about Genesis too I was thinking mm-hmm. about yeah he from the get go is subtle. Mm -hmm. Uh, What he does there is a masterful attack on their faith. Yep. He gets them to doubt God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he uses, he clouds it with fear. Uh, He appeals to their desires. He twists things around. And when we're not focused on God, we're so susceptible to those lies because they're all around us. You know, in Romans 12, it says the world is constantly we're acting on us, trying to push us into its mold. And so the only way out of that is to continually renew our minds and keep our minds focused on on God. Yeah. Yep. He's always, he's the one that's always looking for the loophole. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He is. Yep. And I think that's, 
that's my main takeaway from these conversations we've been having this time and last time on this, that if I'm coming to this discussion about oaths, discussion about integrity, thinking about, well, how much integrity do I really need to have? <laughs> then I, I've got my mm-hmm. head in the wrong right. place. So right. I, that, that quote earlier, I, it was like, love the truth. <laughs> Let nothing but truth proceed from your mouth, that the spirit which God has placed in your flesh may be found truthful before all men, and God who dwells in you will be glorified. Right? And that, that's, what I, that's what I want my heart to be. Um, when I'm thinking about, am I, can I stand by what I say? Yeah. You know, I think uh, Satan, what he does is he gets us to doubt the only one in whom there is no falsehood. Mm-hmm. And God is the only one that we can trust. And I think, I think that's a little, uh, if I can branch out here for a sec, I was thinking about the, um, the verse about your hair, I think mostly because I'm bald. <laughs> it, it, it troubled me a little bit, and I. But I think that's what he's kind of getting at in there a little bit. It's, um, I, I guess I kind of joke that the gray ones were the weak ones and they left first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now even the ones on the the side that I shave my head uh, really tight on the side now because even those are turning gray, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't have a, a goatee anymore because all my beard is gray. And Neto's like, cut, uh, shave that off. That looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But what I was thinking about with this hair dyeing thing, you know, you can't uh, change a hair. Uh, they had hair dye back then, right? I mean, Lydia was uh, – she dealt in purple cloth, yeah. so I'm sure that you could dye your hair back then. That was not like a new thing like we can hair – oh, suddenly we can dye our hair now and, ooh, look at us. But, it, you know, when you think about that analogy, it's genius because what happens? Well, the truth comes out. <laughs> you're still the, the old, your roots, <laughs> right. hey, look, they're all gray. Right. And so it kind of gets at a, it's an amazing metaphor really of how weak we are. Yep. And how our lives have a way of being revealed and just how little control we have and how much we need God. God is the only trustworthy one that we need. We need to rely on him. Yeah. That's true. Well, Great conversation, guys. I think we can wrap it up there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.